The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Oh, welcome, 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 welcome to Brother From Another on a Thursday. I'm feeling good. Doc Johnson is in the building. What's up, Doc? How you doing, man? I'm, I'm alive. I'm here. I've, I'm ready to eat a tremendous amount of crow with barbecue sauce about these finals. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go, Michael. Okay. I'm, I'm prepared. I'm prepared for all that is coming my way. All right, crow with barbecue sauce, a side of baked beans. We got some potato salad. We got some coleslaw. There is a party later. We'll talk about the party. This is all party food. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. But before you start eating crow, I want you to acknowledge the same way I'll acknowledge that, hey, you aren't for everybody, neither am I, right? Uh, You know, look, can we say that? Are Are we grown up enough to say we're not for everybody? Some people will like us. Some people will say Look, some people just don't, don't have good it. taste. So yes, I'm not for everybody <laughs> or or, or <laughs> some people don't have good taste. And I think that's what that's what Monty Williams is saying today as he reflects on the last few weeks. Now remember the Phoenix Suns were bounced from the playoffs. They were blown out of the playoffs by the Denver Nuggets and we started talking Hey, two years in a row. The Suns are, the Suns are not prepared. What's going to happen here? They got blown out by Dallas at the crib last year, game seven on the road this year. Uh, they lose to the Denver Nuggets. And now, uh, uh, you know, Monty Williams was fired. There were reports that the owner, the new owner, the little kid, the little rookie, rookie governor of the Phoenix Suns right. didn't like Monty Williams. And look at this, Doc Johnson, Monty Williams is the new head coach of the Detroit Pistons with a record contract, a record contract. The Detroit Pistons said, oh, oh, a word. Oh, you don't want them. Not only do we want them, we're going to make a historic statement to secure his services. The contract could be up to $100 million could be worth $100 million over six years. There's never been an NBA coaching contract like this. And Doc Johnson, I want you to tell me why did the Detroit Pistons do this? I got a couple ideas, but I want to hear what you got to say. First off, I don't want to hear the statements from Monty Williams. I want him to do the meme with like stacks of $100 bills saying, I can't hear you, Phoenix. I can't hear you, Phoenix, because I got all this money. I just that's all I want him to do. I am generally in favor of labor and employees getting paid, right? I'm never gonna be on the side of ownership when it comes to these things. And I love the idea of a black man being overpaid. Cause this is overpaying. I'm happy it- that Monty Williams got hired, right? But they overpaid him given the last four years. I have to put that out there up front. Is he an excellent coach? Yes. Does he do well with culture? Yes. 
Does he have sort of a good game plan for how to advance with talent? Clearly, right? You integrate Kevin Garnett, sorry, Kevin Durant. He's done a very, very good guy. He had them up 2-0 in the finals. Monty Williams couldn't overcome his coaching, and most people's can't, couldn't overcome a dysfunctional roster. But I wouldn't have broke the bank for the guy, but I'm happy to see anybody mm. get paid. Well, listen, uh, this is where you're wrong. <laughs> this is where you're wrong. He's not overpaid. I, okay, I'm going to tell you, like, you said you're in favor of labor, and, and maybe the reason you're in favor yeah. of labor is the reason I'm in favor of labor, especially when you're talking about corporate business. I'm not talking about small businesses down the street just trying to get by. They got one or two employees and every month you got to look around and say, can we make it another few months? I'm not talking about small businesses. I'm talking about corporations right. that are part of a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar industry, which is what the NBA is. So the Detroit mm -hmm. Pistons, he's not overpaid yes. because they got it. They got it. Like we're talking about the top coach is getting paid thirteen million dollars. Who's to say? Who's to say the number is thirteen? Maybe the number should be twenty. Maybe the number should right. be twenty-two. So no, no, he ain't overpaid because they got it. That's one. Uh, two. You're the Detroit Pistons. You haven't had a winning record, Doc Johnson, in seven years. They haven't been over five hundred in seven years. They haven't won a championship in nineteen years. And certain things are out of their control. Like I like Cade Cunningham, number one overall pick a couple years ago. I like him. Only played 12 games last year. I right. like him, but I don't know what's going to happen with Cade Cunningham. I don't know what's going to happen with Jaden Ivey, who's they took fifth last year. I don't know what's going to happen. Who's going to slide to them at the number five pick in this year's draft? They got screwed. I thought they'd get Victor. They didn't. They're not going to get him. I don't know. I can't control that. Right. But the Pistons are saying what we can control is the money we spend on our infrastructure and on our leaders, right? We've got a leader who has won a ton of games, who has been to the NBA finals, who's got this credibility, who's played this in the league, true. baby, bring him on. It ain't even about him. We ain't even, we ain't doing it for him. <laughs> we're doing it for our fans. We Look. need our fans to understand we're credible. And we're going to go out there. We're going to do everything that we can control. Some things we can't control. This one we can. Coaching in the NBA is important. It ain't nearly as important as the NFL. It may not even be as important as being a manager uh, in Major League Baseball. Because at the end of the day, in the NBA, I don't care how good or bad a coach you are, talent usually, you know, wins the day, right? We don't know how good a coach Steve Kerr is because Steve Kerr had three Hall of Famers. We don't know how good a coach okay. Phil Jackson is. We know what his racial attitudes are. We don't know how good a coach Phil Jackson is because he had nothing but Hall of Famers. So I get it. You can spend this amount of money on Monty Williams. I think he is a competent coach. But if you're spending that kind of money to me, I would want to get somebody who's already got a rank. That would be my attitude. Now, the, the East is wide open. The okay, East wait, is, okay, is hold on, open hold on. like, like the grand. Where, where are you going to get those guys? Who? Okay, tell me a guy with the ring who's available and who's going to Detroit like Mike Budenholzer. You want Mike Budenholzer over Monty Williams. I don't I, and I no, nothing against Budenholzer. I think Monty Williams is a great fit for this young team, this young roster. But tell me that list of coaches who are just sitting there saying, Hey, I got a ring doc. Maybe doc rivers got one. So doc has one. He's available. Budenholzer's got one. He's got a, he's available. <laughs> who are they, all these guys, Michael, Michael. Now, 
Now I'm hurting. You could outcoach Doc Rivers. Okay, there's a speak and spell AI out there right now that can outcoach Doc oh, Rivers. Man. Okay, you just uh, Boston's coach. What time is it? Coach Doc Gary, Rivers. Natalie, Let's not insult coaching Gary, by mentioning Doc Rivers. What time is it? The Lenny Wilkins of the new it? millennium. Three ten, three ten. Okay, here it is. Uh, you're ten minutes late. You're ten minutes late. Now, last time you were on, you went in like 30, 37 seconds, and by the ten minutes, by the ten minute mark. You had already you already had like 14 pelts on the wall. Now you okay got your first one. Go ahead. Keep going. Proceed, we, please. We we had to build it. We we had to build it. Look, to me again, okay. you going you going to break the bank. You got to break the bank on a sure thing. You want to break the bank? You got to break the bank on somebody who's proven they can do it. Literally in my brain, the idea of paying a record amount of money to Monty Williams when the guy who beat him in the finals is still unemployed doesn't make much sense to me. Like that's the part that doesn't make much sense. Now again, is he a good coach? Yes, he is a good coach. And again, also, what's Detroit really looking for? They ain't bringing the bad boys back, right? They ain't bringing Isaiah back. They they ain't bringing back Tayshawn Prince and Rasheed Wallace. I don't know what they think is going to happen with this team, but we know the East is wide like open. We know that the Boston Celtics yeah. don't have anything that they can do to stop anybody. They're a freight train that you can run through. We know that the Miami Heat are, are playing above and beyond their pay grade. They might be a beatable team. So again, in two years, we may be, look back on this Monty Williams contract and say, yo, the Detroit Pistons made the second round of the playoffs. They made the Eastern Conference Finals. Then the money would be worth it. I don't know if I'd have spent this much money, but I definitely would have made the yes, high. You would. Yes, you would. Stop counting other people's money. Stop, 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 stop counting money. Stop <laughs> counting money, okay? Listen. <laughs> Don't feel don't feel sorry for the Detroit Pistons and what they're paying. I don't think the checks are go bounce. Okay, they're good. Everything's good. Oh no. And everybody Oh no. And, and no. I, they're gonna be all right. If I have unlimited funds, I'm still not buying a ten thousand dollar t shirt. Okay, like it's not it's not trust me. This isn't about defending the Detroit Pistons. They have enough things to worry about in that city. They got plenty of mediocre teams. They got issues downtown. Right. They can't fill their casinos, right? But that's not the issue. The issue is what you're getting for the money. There aren't a lot of coaches that I would spend that much money on quite frankly, right? Because like I said, well, okay. I do think that's what we're getting at. should actually matter. Budenholzer is the first one that comes to mind. I think that's what we're getting at. And I, you know, I, and the more I look at it, and we, we don't disagree as much as it sounds like we do. Uh, when you say coaching, it, it, you know, talent wins the day. I do agree that talent wins the day. I'd say talent wins more than strategy sometimes. But what is important, oh, completely. What, may be more, what may be more important than strategy in NBA coaching is credibility and leadership. So what are the Pistons yeah. buying? They're buying credibility they're buying leadership. They're buying buy-in. They're pl those players. You're gonna buy into Monty Williams. You just are, and it has happened at every step of his career. It happened. It happened when he was a player. It happened in New Orleans as a coach. Got them to the playoffs. Happened in Phoenix. Took over a disastrous situation. Situation. They brought in Chris Paul, and, and then they, they win 60 plus games twice. And it's gonna happen here with the Pistons. So I think the only slight disagreement we have is that. I do know what Steve Kerr can do. Like Steve Kerr is a, I'm not saying he's the best coach of all time, but every, if you give everybody the Warriors and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond in their prime and Kevin Durant, everybody is not going to win what he won. Everybody's like, they might win a championship or two. There's no guarantee they'll win four. Hey, that's Phil true. Jackson won six. And 
Phil Jackson was not Michael Jordan's first coach. He won six. No. Uh, Dell Harris coached Shaq and Kobe before Phil Jackson did. And so I'm going to give credit to those guys who, not for their strategy, but just their way. Pat Riley, same thing. They got a they got a knack for saying the right thing and, and stepping back at the right time and letting their leaders come forward. I think the Pistons are hopeful that Monty, at the very least, can help them reset a culture, and they haven't had one in a long time. If you're making your judgment on how Monty Williams will do, right? The 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 the, the binary that you're working from here is: Are we getting like the next Larry Brown, right? Or are we getting the next Flip Saunders? Flip Saunders is a stylish but massively underachieving coach who wasted the primes of several great players or Larry Brown, who is an excellent coach who grinds the hell out of people until they're sick of him and do not want to play for him anymore. If Monty Williams leans slightly more on the Larry Brown side, that's great. And to your point, to your AI hypothetical, right? You're right. If you gave peak Steph, peak Draymond, and, and peak Clay to a lot of different coaches, I'm sure Paul Silas would have found a way to run that team into the ground. I'm sure Doc Rivers would have found a way for that team to be up 3-0 on multiple people Back and still again. lose. I'm sure Back that Saunders would have found a way to absolutely fail with that team. But I do think that most nominally competent coaches could have gotten to the finals multiple times with that team because it's about talent. So if Monty gets the talent behind him, we'll really see how great a coach he is. The coach who can prove that he can win with Hall of Fame talent and without it is Eric Spolstra, which is why he's the best coach in the league right now. I'm going to tell you your, your, your rhetorical style. It's like the, the Pistons owner said, and we, we put that quote up there, why, you know, why don't we go back to Monty? Jason Williams, uh, uh, Jason Johnson's like, you know what? Why don't we go back to Doc and kick his ass one more time? You know, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we did it at 310. Uh, let's do it at 314 again. 314, 315. Let's just go back. Hey, what if we go back and kick I gotta Doc Rivers' sure ass? I got to make sure he's down. <laughs> okay, he's down. You know what? I thought I saw him moving. He had a little much, a little too much energy. I want to come back and get him again. But I want to go I back. I also had to throw to in Flip where, Saunders and Paul Silas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I had to put them that? all in there. And, you know, rest in peace, too. I mean, come on. Both of them, the last two. Oh, going at them. Anyway, I'm just saying, I want to the go resumes back. are there. I want to go back. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about the guy. I'm talking about the resume. Uh, let's go back to Boston, where Doc Rivers used to coach. And I thought. Hey, when, when I saw the Celtics lose to the Heat and I saw the way Joe Missoula kind of acted like he's 34 and he kind of acted like he's 34 or even 24 at times with the way he carried himself, mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe they'll bring Doc back to Boston where he won his, his only, his last and only championship. But Brad Stevens today cut that out, cut out all the mystery. We know who the next head coach of the Boston Celtics is going to be. Let's listen to Brad Stevens, their president of basketball operations. Brad, is Joe Missoula the best head coach for this team going forward? And if so, why? Yeah, I think he is. And I thought he, again, did a really good job with this group. Um, everybody's going to overreact to the best players and coaches after every game. That's always the way it is. We know that going in, so we have to, you know, be able to judge things on the whole. And um, he's a terrific leader. Um, he'll only get better at anything that, you know, he can learn from this year because he's constantly trying to learn. And um, and he's accountable. 
You know, those, those leadership qualities are hard to find. I know they're easy to talk about, but when you can, uh, when you can show all those through the expectations and the microscope that he was under, that's hard to do. All right, so look, the Godfather just blessed him. He good. Okay, Joe Missoula's good now. Like, all right, what y'all gonna say now? I don't care what y'all say. Y'all can call me second row Joe if you want. But Brad Stevens just said I got the job. And, and Jason, you said uh, the Celtics don't need to break up. What do you mean by that? Well, look, they don't need to break up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, right? Because again, you did two marshmallows together. It still don't make you a s'more, right? Like neither of those. If you separate them, it's not like one of them is going to become a better player. I have said the problem that the Pistons have, the problem that the Celtics have, and I, and I love that Brad Stevens just came out and basically endorsed an incredibly mediocre coach that they should probably fire. I love that he came out and basically said at 34 years old, he's learning on the job and we're going to give him three or four more years to screw up this team and not accomplish anything. That is the kind of leadership that put Brad Stevens out of coaching and into the front office as he's in now because he couldn't lead a team either. Look, at the end of the day, Jason Tatum has no heart. I have said this all along. He has no heart. He what? doesn't have dog. He doesn't have soul. He doesn't have what? any of the things you got to have what? in order to be a team leader. Jalen Brown is a quality player. He is a quality number two. He cannot step up. He's the kind of guy that actually makes like Anthony Davis look tough at the end of the day. And when you have two oh of those people God. together, you can't accomplish that much. Up. The Celtics are going to go as far as they can. I think of Antoine Walker and Paul Pierce. Those guys had heart. They ain't got no heart today. Uh, J Jason Tatum. You have you seen his record in game seven? Okay, laid an egg in game seven. They did uh, uh, on Sunday. So they lost that game seven. They lost the game seven uh, to LeBron when Jason Tatum, I think it was a rookie mm -hmm. rookie year. Mm -hmm. Lost the game seven at the garden and has won all the other ones. So I think he's five and two or six and two fact check me somebody out there. Somebody who just does that just fact checks fact checks people <laughs> fact check me. I'm good though. He's only lost two game sevens. The guy went on the road last year in Milwaukee the season on the line knocks out Giannis on the road. Well, extends the season on the road, then comes home, knocks out Giannis in game seven this year. Game six extends the season scores 50 plus in game seven. He does have why? Why, why are we saying Jason Tatum doesn't have heart because he hadn't won a championship at 25 years old. Is that why you say that? Hey, There's a not, difference neither did LeBron heart. Neither did Jordan at 25. There's a difference between talent and heart. You know that movie, The Departed? It's actually, yes. uh, you know, yes, it's Terrible a movie ending. about Boston, but it's also a description Good of what movie. Jimmy Butler did to him. Movie about just Boston. departed, just took his heart, just took, just departed his heart out of his soul from the whole team because it? it wasn't much there to begin with. Jason Jimmy Tatum Butler? has the talent, okay. has the talent to have done so much better than he has. And at this point, you should probably be pretty clear about the fact that he ain't going to be that guy. There's very few players. He's 25, Jason. Has the light turned on? But but it, it's not about age. It's how what many you times at you played and been in that situation. I want to see you at twenty-five. I want to see a twenty-five-year-old <laughs> Jason Johnson. I want to see. Nobody I, thought. Nobody thought this guy's gonna be a PhD. No, they didn't. Not at twenty-five. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> I, I I think I think there were some reasonably good guesses as to how I would blow up at twenty-five years old. I was. 
I was in school. I look, look, my first time on national television, I was 24 <laughs> years old on the O'Reilly factor. There was a guest. There was an estimate yeah. as to where this kid might show up. But hey, I'm saying if, he if was we're trying looking to, at if we're looking at Jason Tatum as the equivalent. Huh? O'Reilly back at 24. <laughs> he was trying to destroy you. He was trying to take away your ambition, trying to take away your verve. Your dry, all that stuff. He didn't want you to be in school. As a matter of fact, if you're on O'Reilly Factor 24, I'm gonna guess. Let me just throw it out there. I'm gonna assume uh, he he assumed that you weren't in school, didn't he? <laughs> he probably assumed that you weren't <laughs> doing anything. I don't know. Anyway, he, don't be dismissing he, anybody. He, he had me on because I was in school. I survived. I'm just saying, Jason Tatum. This is his career at this particular point. And he has shown that he is not ready for the moment. I told you he is Chris Weber. Okay, he's not Antoine Walker or Paul Pierce. He is Chris Weber. All Antoine the talent in the Walker. world, but not the heart. He's David Robinson who needed a, a Avery Johnson to get things done. He's not the man. And if you take Jalen Brown, it's not going to magically turn him into a better player. It's not going to magically turn him into a leader. Just like Joe Azuzu, Joe Azuzu, whatever. Their, their coach doesn't have it either. And at 34 years old, you should be able to keep your team mentally collected enough to take out the the Atlanta Hawks, which they could barely do. You should be able to do something better. I mean, I'm sorry, yes. out coaching Doc Rivers, like I said, that's not an amazing accomplishment. That's like yeah. beating my seven-year-old okay. nephew in Connect Four. That's not too complicated. And then you get absolutely <laughs> okay. trashed at okay. home right. in a game okay. seven on your own floor when everybody knows you have the more talented team. None okay. of these people are great, but I think the Celtics just need to accept they're not a championship. Okay, squad. okay, okay. Uh, that, that's enough. That's enough out of you. I'm, I'm going to say to everybody do at me. Please at me. Let me know those who knew Jason Johnson in his 20s. I want some information. We're building a dossier. We're going to bring it to the air. We're going to get a lot of information on you. Okay, because I think you're being unfair. You're being harsh, but we'll continue this. I can't wait to get that information. I can't wait. I'm going to send you the clip. I'm going to over break. I'm going to send you the clip. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Forget the AC stuff. I mean, they, they beat Milwaukee 4-1. to one. 
team that had the most wins in the NBA this year. Uh, they beat Boston 4-3, to and they're up 3-0. Team with, I think, the second most wins in the NBA this year. So uh, you get to the NBA Finals, it's not about seeding anymore. And for those that are thinking that this is going to be an easy series, um, I don't even know what to say to you people. I mean, like, this is going to be the biggest challenge of our lives. It's the NBA Finals. You know, th this is, you're trying to win the first NBA championship in franchise history. And it's going to be the hardest thing that we've ever done, which is the way it should be. Issues that we hear about for teams coming in here, how much of an effect can that have? And if it's more than zero, uh, what are keys to getting through that? We're not even getting into any of that stuff. Uh, our guys are in great shape. They're ready to compete. Uh, if uh, Denver wants to tip this thing off at the top of uh, Everest, we'll do that. Um, this thing is going to be decided between the four lines. Uh, you know, they also got to come back to Miami if we want to make it a, a, about that. We'll turn off the air conditioning. They got to play in 90-degree uh, uh, humidity. Who said that we are favorites? The media? Las Vegas. And Las Vegas tells us that we are not, we were underdog before. That doesn't, it's not correct, I think. I mean, I think we are not the favorites. Uh, I think in the finals there is no favorites. Uh, we, this is going to be the, the hardest game of our life, and, and we know that, and we are prepared for that. We are preparing and prepare for that. So I think there is no favorites, and definitely I think we are not favorites in this uh, series. I think they are not either. I think it's just the finals, you know. There is no favorites in a, in a, in a, in the finals, my, my opinion. Oh, I love it. I love it. NBA Finals begin tonight. We got the Denver Nuggets hosting the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are in the NBA Finals. I know what Michael Malone said. I know what uh, Nikola Jokic said. Uh, Sam Amick, I'm still surprised that the Miami Heat are here. But now that they're here and we got this matchup and we're about to tip it off, not from Everest, but uh, in Denver, what do you think? Uh, what do you think game one is going to look like if you just had to preview it? What, what would you think? Michael, Jason, appreciate y'all having me. Um, I think the Heat, and you could feel it, man, and expose presser there. The Heat are going to do Heat things, which means they're going to compete. They're going to make this thing competitive, and, and I would not be shocked if they take game one. And I say that knowing full well that it makes no damn X's and O's sense. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I love about this Miami run is they have forced all of us to suspend disbelief. And, and finally, I think tip your cap to their culture, whatever you want to call it, you know, and, and this group of guys that has been doing this at, at something close to this level for a number of years now, injuries notwithstanding. So uh, I, I think it'll be more competitive than folks think. I got Denver winning probably, you know, in a longer series, but, uh, but Miami is something special for sure. And why, why are they special? I mean, I'm just I mean, wondering, like, what, yeah. we talked about their culture and all this stuff, but, you know, this guy, for example, Caleb Martin playing out of his mind. The guy, what do you have? It's like nine points in the regular right. season. And now he looks like, uh, he looks like a combination of, of so many great players uh, throughout this right. postseason. But how, how would you, how do you, how do you assess what, what they've done so far in the postseason? So for me, guys, like the most insight I ever learned about the heat and how they actually operate, and let's get past that cliche of heat culture, but actually trying to decide, like, is it cliche, is it fake, or is it substantive? 
when I was covering the bubble back in 2020, because I'm West Coast based, as you guys know, I'm not around the heat a ton. The bubble was my most kind of embedded experience with the heat and talking to their coaches, talking to their players and learning that, you know, it seems a little counterintuitive in a, in a league that is competitive across all 30 teams. I do actually now have the opinion that the heat find they have, they have a way of training their guys to be uh, even more competitive than almost every squad out there. And Spo and Pat Riley set the tone. Uh, but then you add in a Jimmy Butler who, you know, the one thing I think is getting forgotten in these finals because everybody assumes the Nuggets are going to win it is that in terms of competitiveness, motivation, Jimmy Butler is still not a champion. You know what I mean? And and when he came to Miami, that was the goal. If he wants to elevate his own legacy, he has to actually go pull off the seemingly improbable. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be stunned if he could do it. But so Jimmy fits that mold. The thing about this season, though, guys, that I still can't wrap my head around, when they were two and five, and I don't know if you saw any of this on social media, they're two and five. They come through my neck of the woods near Sacramento. And I talked to Jimmy, talked to Bam, talked to Kyle Lowry. And I'll be honest, in these conversations, I'm going in as if I'm like, you know, at a funeral, like, guys, sorry about the tough start, but how are we feeling? You know, that was the vibe. And Jimmy looks me dead in the eye. He says, we're going to win the effing championship. And then Bam doubled down, basically said the same thing. And it kind of reminded me, like, my God, like, even when these guys are, are down in the mud, they still believe, and, and that's bared out. What do you think, Doc? I got to ask you, you Sam. And, and this is, yeah, this is the thing. Despite the fact that the Heat players all have a tremendous level of confidence, which is great, right? You're competitive. You got this far. You got a tremendous amount of confidence. What is the actual X's and O's path for them to win? Because outside of the Joker hurting his knee and being out for the series, there is no right. mathematical way. I have done the Doctor Strange. I have looked through <laughs> thousands of different universes and scenarios. There is not one. There's not <laughs> one where I see the Miami Heat beating the Denver Nuggets outside of Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic actually getting hurt. What's the X in those O's ways that they actually win this series? I mean, first of all, Jason, you know, I'm, I'm on the road away from my family. Don't make me feel like I'm out here for no reason. Like, I got to have some hope that this is going to be competitive. So maybe I'm just trying to speak it into existence because I would prefer to cover an actual series. Uh, but I understand your point. It's a valid one. Uh, the numbers tell you that doubling Jokic, tripling Jokic, throwing bodies at him, in the way that Spolstra talked about pregame, it's but I mean, they, but it's the best of a bunch of bad options. So one-on-one -on -one coverage doesn't work. Zone that this is where the Heat are in trouble in this series is that the Nuggets are just tailor-made to pick apart zones, and that's one of the Heat strengths. I don't think it's going to help them in this series. You think back to like elementary school pickup basketball. If you have a big fella in the middle who can actually pass the ball, that's how you break a zone. These guys have the best passing big man in the history of basketball that's going to go in the middle. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. And, and within that, and I wrote about this today, you look at a guy like Bam Adebayo, who, like all the Heat guys, has had a chip on his shoulder since he was born. And he's been upset the last couple of years about the narrative that he's not the best defensive player in the league. He thought he should have gotten that award before. You know, if you need to find another level of motivation, you know, Bam has not had a good track record against Jokic. You know, can he find another level, even though he's given up that size height-wise, given up that size weight-wise? Um, so, I mean, I didn't give you a counter. I don't know exactly how they get it done. 
But I, I, I do think with Spolstra, like the dude has become a coaching wizard and I'm excited to see what he tries. You know, it's just so interesting, Sam. I got to tell you, you know, it's, it's family here. We can all just be honest. It's interesting that Jason Johnson, Dr. Jason Johnson, let me be formal here, <laughs> would say that he sees no scenario in which the Miami Heat can beat the Denver Nuggets. What well, is the same guy? And Sam, I need you to educate him here. It's the same guy who probably took about 22 shots at Jokic. So much so, he didn't even pronounce his name right. He was calling him <laughs> Jokic. Okay, he took so many shots at him. The last time we talked, he's boring. Oh, he died. he's a stat he monster, all this stuff. Uh, okay, he and is. now, and now, Doc Johnson, now you think that he's unbeaten. He's about to, you have to call him a champion. What? Uh, can you tell, can you tell Dr. Johnson what he's been missing with Nikola Jokic this entire time? Dr. Johnson <laughs> is, is, is not alone. Uh, you know, there's a lot of crow eating happening these days when it comes to Jokic <laughs> at our place at the athletic, uh, my guy, my friend and colleague, Tony Jones is a jazz beat writer who was on the nuggets beat for this playoff run. Right? Well, before he, Tony took this job on, he was constantly battling with nuggets fans on social media, killing Jokic and Tony today, shameless plug for our place wrote a pretty entertaining column where he said, all right, y'all, I was wrong. I got Jokic wrong. So he had to write a whole column admitting as much. Uh, I think the thing is this. I've respected his talent from the beginning. I would be lying to you if I didn't say that I was among the many who still had questions about his ability to do it when it mattered most. And last year, the way that he got kind of schemed against by the Warriors when they lost in the first round, I think elevated concerns about his game and, and whether or not he was this guy. But he's, he's shutting everybody up right now. Uh, and, and the one thing that we don't talk about enough because his offense is just incredible. He is, you know, a machine who can do everything on that end is that, first of all, he's gotten his body to a place where it's never been better. And his defense, he's not Giannis. He's not Embiid. He's never going to be in the discussion for all defensive team, but he's actually pretty legitimate. Like he, their defense, they scheme to, you know, heighten his strengths, hide his weaknesses. And so they deserve some credit for that coaching staff wise but he's a balanced player who is impossible to stop right now. Uh, and so we'll see what the heat can do. Doc, you want to apologize to Denver now before, or later? before, Sam. <laughs> Sam, I, I, I want your yeah. thoughts on this real quick. I have described, because we're being great. I've been very, very clear about what I feel about the Joker. He is the most boring, impressive player in the NBA since Tim Duncan. <laughs> and I mean that sincerely. I find yeah. him, I like this sort of air dancer thing that he does in the middle of the court. I don't find it at all entertaining to watch, but I didn't like watching Tim Duncan either, but it doesn't mean he's not a great player. Is that a fair description? He's the most boring, great player we've seen in, in, in almost a decade. I mean, I, I understand the sentiment to me, his passing. If you lock in on his vision, you lock in on the way he moves that ball. You know, he will make the highlight reel with his passing. Uh, you know, and with his scoring, obviously never going to give you a highlight reel dunk. Uh, some of his threes that scrape the top of the arena bowl are entertaining because <laughs> they're just absurd. But yes, the entertainment factor is not like a lot of the stars in today's game. You know, I've described him in trying to talk about his game as a, as a dancing bear. You know what I mean? Like he's got this ballet component to his footwork, <laughs> but it is very nuanced. You have to lock in on what he does to try to appreciate it. 
you know, it's not quite the same as seeing Giannis, you know, cover the entire floor in four strides and, and soar two feet above the rim to dunk the ball. It's not. Uh, but but I think, you know, he is worth appreciating for sure. I want, I want to uh, hit you with some coaching quick hitters before we let you go. Uh, and the first one is we were talking about before he came on Monty Williams. Yeah, signing that huge contract with Detroit. I understand why Monty did it. Lots of reasons for him to do it. I understand why Detroit <laughs> did it. Yeah. But you know, it, just standing outside of that, if you're not Monty Williams, you're not the Pistons, you're just, uh, you know, uh, we're basketball observers. And we look at this. Uh, how how did it how do you interpret it? How does it make sense to you if it does make sense to you? Well, I mean, you've got an owner in Tom Gores who has not made much noise since he bought the team so many years ago. And so I think his ambition is at a high level. His You see this with a lot of owners. Like there is a shelf life on or, or an impatience of irrelevancy. Like, and Tom has mostly been irrelevant when it comes to his team. And I think trying to rectify that with your checkbook, you know, that checks out, no pun intended. Uh, more nuanced than that is, you know, Troy Weaver, the head of their front office, has been the kind of guy who is leaning hard into, and I know, again, culture is an overused word, but but he wants holistically, spiritually, like the types of leaders within his group where they can try to build something out with a longer shelf life. And Monty is that, you know, his character, his leadership abilities. It's funny because it comes on the heels of a playoff series loss where you could certainly nitpick some of the X's and O's stuff that Monty was responsible for. And there, you know, he's not had, does not have the reputation of a modern day Eric Spolster by any means. Uh, but when it comes to elevating kind of the collective consciousness of his players, getting guys to be selfless, uh, there was one outlier that I will admit has, has always been on my mind a bit because it was so surprising is, you know, the whole Jay Crowder controversy that they had in Phoenix when Jay was pretty upset with the way that Monty handled his situation for me, having covered Monty in new Orleans and, and beyond from there, that was kind of the only time that I ran into a player that that was looking at him sideways. But for the most part, mm. guys will run through a for him and with young players, that's going to go a long way. Were you surprised by Boston uh, bringing back Joe Missoula? Guys, I'm losing the audio real quick. You still got me? Yeah, uh, we, we can hear you. I, I'll repeat it again. Can you hear me now? Yeah. If, if you can't Apologies. hear me. Uh, uh, that's all right. Well, we're uh, audio's out. Well, if you can't hear us, Sam, we appreciate it. I was going to ask you about Joe Missoula. You can't hear that. That's okay. We'll see you. Enjoy right. your time. Bye, guys. Uh, watching Apologies. this great series. No problem. Thanks. Good work as usual. So he says the Nuggets win. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Doc Johnson, I know you love movies. I love movies too. I could talk about movies with you all day. You probably got hot takes on I know you got hot takes on movies because you happen to mention Doctor Strange when you're talking with Sam Amick, and you always say that movie's horrible, which it's not. But we'll talk about that another day. Uh, but the Little Mermaid and why there's no black prince. You see the headline there. Why are there no black princes? But I think it's a larger conversation. Why no black prince? And why some people have a problem with black mermaids? I mean, we're talking about mermaids. We're talking about Disney. And you will have pushback from people who say, I don't know about that. And this is a through line, Doc, with some of the movies that people, movies and franchises that people consider sacred. Same thing happened in Star Wars uh, when there were black characters in Star Wars. Uh, uh, the same thing happened at James Bond when there were stories out there that maybe Idris will be the next James Bond. You know, people are, the people who say race doesn't matter seem to be very protective when, they're, when there's a little bit of color on their screen and they don't expect it there or they don't think it should be there. What are your thoughts? Well, first, you know, all hail, all praise, Miss Bailey. She did a great job. People seem to love the movie. It's great. There are all these stories about people bringing their children, their boys and girls. That's great. Representation is great, right? But I tend to like real representation. You know, representation that doesn't feature black people in isolated spaces where they have no black friends, no black family, no black relatives, and no black love interests. Diversity. They were hatched is not diversity if it's simply taking the person and plopping a chocolate chip and a giant vat of milk and saying that's diversity. You can't even taste the flavor because it gets distilled. And that's what we have with these kinds of movies. We see this all the time. Someone thinks they're being great and progressive and everything else like that. And they say, hey, let's put in a black person. But they don't include an actual life around that person. Let me tell you, when, when I first heard they were casting uh, Halle Bailey as, as, as Ariel. I was like, cool. And it was about three or four years ago, I remember hearing about the casting. And I was like, you know what would be really great? You know what would be really great? How about you update The Little Mermaid with like a Caribbean theme? Okay, for, for Sebastian, let's get like Sean Paul. Let's get some reggae beats, right? Let's let's have yeah. her dad be Idris. Like, let's make it a career. Have her prince be Corbin Blue. Corbin Blue's from the Disney family. He used to do all those uh, uh, high school musical movies. You could have had this great Caribbean-themed movie that still has the energy of The Little Mermaid, right? But at the same time, respects the fact that you can't just stuff black people into environments and say, here, look what I did for you. And that's the frustration that I tend to have with movies like The Little Mermaid. Not saying people shouldn't see it. Glad that it made a lot of money. Did better than Aladdin. Did better than Dumbo, which is kind of a flop. 
But at the end of the day, token diversity isn't progress. Yeah, and, and I was trying to think of the name. It was a Finn character. It was a Finn, a Finn character. What was it? The Force Awakens, where, where, where Finn was in there. Yes, and, yes. And got a the lot third of, sister. Yeah, got, yes. Yeah, and got a, lot of, got a lot of pushback on that one. But let me ask you, okay, why is it, why, why doesn't it happen? I, th I think I, we all have our own answers, but give me, a, give me your answer, your, your study of pop culture, uh, your, your wealth of knowledge on, the, on these topics. Why, why isn't there more diversity in these movies? Well, because the people who run these studios are 99% white. They are often hostile to or oblivious to the existence of non-white people, and they project their own biases and bigotries onto the consumer. And they assume that if you have stories, certainly romantic stories, that center non-white people, you at least got to have a straight white man in there. Right. That's why we don't get stories about black and brown people. That's why we don't get couples that are two black people that are centered. That's why it takes forever. They now finally going to have a black prince in the, the new Disney show, like uh, second generation princes or something, a second generation uh, descendants or something else like that. That's why it happens, because the people who run these networks and these studios don't think that black people matter and don't really care. And, and here's the thing. Not only is that patently untrue, right? We have tons of examples of majority black films doing well, selling abroad, black leads, Bridgerton being able to do well, but it just comes down to sort of basic bigotry. And I'll, I'll add this when I was talking about the, you know, the reggae version of Little Mermaid. I don't even care if it's a reggae version of Little Mermaid. It's also about representation of functional black relationships. And I use an example because another movie I'm going to see this weekend, right? Uh, Enter the Spider-Verse or, you know, with, with Miles Morales. I love Miles Morales. And there are some people who say, well, here's another example. You got the little black boy, but he always has to have a crush on a blonde girl. Here's the thing about Miles, though. Miles is ensconced in his black and brown and Puerto Rican culture. You see his yes, mother and so. his father Thank as you. a loving couple. His yes. uncle was in the first movie. Totally different situation. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, a great example. And I'm glad you brought up uh, Shonda Rhimes and, and Bridgerton. And I think what it will take, and look, we, we know, and I, I love your answer on, on studios, on studios just kind of being these gatekeepers and saying, okay, we'll give you a little bit. We'll give you some breadcrumbs, but we're not going to open this whole thing up because people, the public, is not ready for it. And what they're really saying is I'm not ready for it. I don't want to do it. One of the beautiful things about Shonda Rhimes, I've always loved this about her. She is unapologetic. She's got imagination. If she wants something to happen, damn it, that thing's going to happen. I don't care if you believe me or not. I don't care if it's historically, if you think it's historically inaccurate that there's a black queen and there's a black prince and there's and all these black folks with power around this uh this this kingdom or this this uh, this city that we don't really know about. I'm going to do it. Why? Because I'm a storyteller and I'm a damn good storyteller and she really is. I'm a damn good storyteller and I'm going to tell you I'm going to give you my vision. Now you disagree with some of the things that I say because you're kind of wincing when I talk about Shonda Rhimes. You're wincing. A little oh, bit. yes. Wait, I, okay. I mean excruciating Wait. pain. <laughs> uh, you're not Look, feeling her. I can, I can I feel start her. with talking. I could start with the colorism within most of Shonda Rhimes, especially this sort of new Bridgerton series that any black person who can't pass a brown pag test is almost never the love interest oh. 
or the darker skinned black people always tend to be problematic or pushed to the side or the fact that the vast majority of her stories feature problematic, dead, abused or missing black men. And it's always white men who come in and say, I could talk about all of those things going all she's the way back to scandal, which again had to feature a Republican white man having an affair with his wife with a black woman when we had the first black president of the United States. I could go there, but I will just but, say that it's an example of the fact that even when you have black people in control as the final decision makers and gatekeepers, we still don't always get the kind of representation that truly shows the diversity of the black experience. And I'm not saying every black director has to do that, but I am saying that to pick and choose what aspects of blackness you want to show, but still sort of have this underlying attitude that the white audience has to be pandered to in a way that's not necessary. I know white people will watch anything just like black people will watch anything if it's entertaining, yeah. but the obsession with sort of white approval and fear of white disapproval is one of the reasons why we get some of the films that we get. See, now I'm cringing. Okay, now I'm cringing. I'm glad we can have this conversation. You know, I, I'm glad we can do this. <laughs> I'm cringing when you say that the the uh, the the richness and the depth and breadth of, of the black experience almost makes that term a misnomer. The black experience. It is. It, it probably should be the black experiences because there are just so many. Like nobody is going to be able to doc. Nobody. I don't care who it is. The most whoever you think the most brilliant writer is, the most brilliant ten writers uh, in entertainment. Nobody is ever going to be able to produce something that captures all of us and all of our, they're just not going to be able to capture that. I, I, you tell me somebody who has, like even some of the movies that we elevate and some of the movies that, that we hold near and dear, there are criticisms of those movies, whether it's mm -hmm. movies or books or, or, or short se or limited series. I'm sure some people have some problems with Alex Haley back in the day with Roots, the number one miniseries in TV history. In the late 1970s, oh, why are you showing that? Why aren't you? Why aren't you focus more on the oppressors and not necessarily the slaves? Or why, you know, uh, Spike Lee has gotten criticism for being too male-centric right. uh, in his films. You know, like there are just so many. For black storytellers, there always there's always going to be criticism. But the reason I'm, I'm I'm shouting out Shonda Rhimes and I'm shouting out Spike Lee and others is that they have jumped in. And, and giving you their vision of what they like to see. It's not perfect, but it's better than some of the stuff we see when we are just given one or two, one or two minor roles. You know, if somebody gives me a pile of dog poop and put sugar on the top and a little bit of cheese and tells me it's chili, it's not chili. And I'm sorry, but I think, I don't think a lot of these things are good. I think that they are, they are screened through. It's the same thing with look. Kenya Barris gave us a great series called Blackish and gave us a great series called Grownish. But a lot of his other racial politics and other things that he's done have been extremely problematic. From Black AF to to you people. I mean, look. Just because you have black people in charge and able to create this kind of imagery doesn't always mean that one it shows a diversity of the black experience, or two that it's not ultimately poisonous. I could say the same thing about Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry's made some great stuff. Tyler Perry's made some terrible stuff. So I don't put the responsibility on one particular creator. But what I do say is when we look at somebody's resume of work, we can 
and talk about the fact that Tyler Perry has had some colorism issues in his work, but he does tend to show black love. We can talk about Chandra Rhimes and say, hey, she has put black women in lots of diverse situations, but can't seem to find a lot of opportunities for black on black love. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. It's not that they don't make an experience, it's that they seem to only want to show certain kinds of experiences that are comfortable for them and for an audience that they don't always look or sound like us. Maybe it's comfortable for them. Maybe it's comfortable for them along with the business aspect of it, too. They're looking at it and say, okay, it, it's back to their own interpretation of what will sell, what will be most compelling. I don't know. But I'm glad we had a conversation. Like, we got a lot more on this. I didn't think we'd get as much out of this as we did. We got a lot more coming on this. this is oh, a, next yeah. time you come on, we're going to get into it. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into this. All right, Doc. <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. are true overwhelming power sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has arrived as mcdonald's transforms into the anime world of wickdonald's the greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili mcdonald's sauce to make your 10-piece wick nuggets fries and sprite ultra powerful unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at wickdonald's ba-da-ba-ba-ba go i participate in mcdonald's for a limited time while supplies last Mike Pence, who sat there silently for four years with Donald Trump, uh, is now running for president. Will he take a swing at the bully? Will he connect? Because he knows a lot more about Trump than anybody else. What do you think Pence is going to do? The only thing that Mike Pence would swing from in the mind of most Republican voters is a noose, because that's what the MAGA crowd was trying to do to him two years ago. It is insane to me. It is beyond Stockholm syndrome for this man to run for the Republican nomination when a significant chunk of the MAGA base is okay with the fact that people were trying to hang him on January 6th. This is not just a matter of, I want to explain to people my message. This is not a matter of, I want to communicate or I want to go after Trump. Frankly, Michael, I think the only reason he's running is because maybe if he becomes a nominee, he can get Secret Service protection again because the man ain't safe. It ain't ain't safe outside for Mike Pence, and it hasn't been for years. I think it's a shame that he's running. I think that he is just as complicit in the ongoing coup that we see from the Republicans in this country, and I'm not surprised that he's running, but he's going to be about as effective as Tim Scott, which is not at all. And it's amazing, like these guys who will run against Trump and already DeSantis He's kind of tiptoeing around Trump. You might as well not run. If you're going to run against him, you better put his name, put his name in your huh. mouth and you better bring it. You better bring some haymakers if you're going to, if you're going to run against the man, but the, being this whole polite thing is not going to work. Uh, let's talk about succession. You got it in your feed and you want to talk about succession and series finales. I think you're going to spoil it for people, but go ahead and say what you got to say. <laughs> I know you're going to spoil it. I know you will. Look, 
I'm going to say this. Just like I say Mike Pence has Stockholm Syndrome, a lot of people seem to be beholden to the Swiss. So that's all I'm going to tell you about what happens in succession. Okay, there's a little people beholden to, to the Swiss in ways that they should not be. Look, I thought it was an excellent finale. You had Ted Lasso, Barry and Succession all ending around the same time, which got me thinking about, okay, a lot of great series finales are coming. I wouldn't put Succession up there with, say, like uh, the end of The Wire or the end of uh, The Shield or the end of, uh, you know, some other great shows. Like, I mean, The Wire and The Shield in particular, Homicide Life on the Street is some of the greatest finales ever. It's not up there. It's closer to like six feet under in some of those other shows. It didn't peter out at the end, but it didn't satisfy me in the way it should have. Didn't satisfy you in the end. But you, overall, you're a big fan of the show. It's... It Big was fan? great. It was terrible no. rich people doing terrible things the whole time. All right. Listen, uh, Doc Johnson, good to see you. I don't know if we're going to see you later tonight, but we are having a party. Uh, bring your own beverage. Bring your own food. BFA watch party game one NBA finals. Michael will be there. I will be there. Natalie will be there. Perhaps Doc Johnson and others will come through. We're going to watch the Nuggets and the Miami Heat. We're just gonna sit there and chill. We're just gonna talk. It's like a family conversation. So we'll be watching the game at times closely, and other times we'll just be making fun of each other. Uh, continuing our Shonda Rhimes conversations, continuing our Hollywood conversations. <laughs> uh, you take some more shots at people, I'm sure. But at a party and alcohol, I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna go down if you start taking shots at people. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.